This is WWVU-FM Morgantown, and welcome to Say Something Nice, the weekly music discussion show on United to the Moose, where Griffin and Anthony, that's me, recommend each other an album that the other has not heard, uh, and then we say something nice. Uh, the albums that we're covering this week, I gave Griffin uh, Cut by the Slits, and Griffin, I'm going to go ahead and ask what you gave me, and you can go right ahead and introduce that as well. Yeah, I gave uh, Anthony uh, Telephone, which is the debut mixtape by Chicago-based MC No Name. Um, to give a little background for the record, No Name was uh, brought up in Chicago, gaining prominence in uh, around 2010, early 2010s, as a uh, poet, uh, really, at first. Uh, she got into slam poetry, placed third in the Louder Than a Bomb competition, uh, which is an annual poetry competition uh, held in Chicago and uh, became quick friends with a bunch of the Chicago-based rappers, people like Saba, Mick Jenkins, and most notably Chance the Rapper, um, who would give her her first, I, I would say, taste of uh, national presence when uh, she featured on his song Lost in 2013, which was off of his breakthrough album Acid Rap, which was very big at the time, still a very prominent album in uh, 2010s hip hop, I think, retrospectively. Um, this mixtape, Telephone, was a long teased debut. It was teased as early as around 2013 uh, when she did that, that feature, uh, but uh, it would not come out in full until three years later in 2016. Um, and I think this album, or mixtape rather, is absolutely fantastic. I think it's a great, not only debut from No Name, I think it is a great, I, I would say it's one of the great uh, debuts in hip hop in the 2000s, uh, I would go so far as to say. Um, I think in this record, you understand like her voice as an artist and, and the sounds that she's working with and her inspirations so instantly and so they, they come through so strongly that it's no surprise to me that it was in the works for such a long time um but with that we can get into talking about it proper and anthony what are your thoughts on this album uh first impressions is that this mixtape is so damn smooth just like the whole thing <laughs> i don't yeah. like there was no way like as soon as i put it on it was just smooth uh, super buttery the entire time, which I really appreciate as a fan of especially that first uh, Injury Reserve mixtape, Rest in Peace, Steppa, um, oh, yeah. as well as A Tribe Called Quest. And so those are like two of my favorite rap groups. And so going into this pretty much as soon as I hit play, I was like, okay, damn, like I'm going to enjoy this. Um and I did really enjoy it. This is probably my favorite thing that you've uh, thrown my way so far, this show. Mm. Uh, so thank you for that. I have checked out No Name before on her uh, Room 25 album mixtape. Mm -hmm. I always get the uh, classifications mixed up. Yeah, that uh, one I think she, she calls her debut studio album. Okay. Uh, Room 25, yeah. yeah. So I had listened to Room 25, and I did really enjoy it, although I don't come back to it too often. Uh, and uh, so I had, like, a little bit of an idea about No Name going into this, but not too much. Um, also, uh, I was aware of this because you kind of introduced it 
whenever you recommended this album at the end of last show, I think that she uh, was featured on Acid Rap, which first of all, it's hard for me to believe that came out in 2013. I don't know why. Yeah. It just feels like forever ago right now. I know. Um, it threw me off as well when I was reading up on on, uh, yeah. on her history. But uh, that makes sense, especially when I was listening to this, uh, because there's a lot of parts in her delivery, but I also think this is just Chicago as a whole, where uh, her delivery kind of really reminds me of Chance the Rapper, which I mean, I ended up realizing whenever uh, I heard like the Smino and the Saba features on that closing track, um, that apparently, I guess, just all of Chicago is kind of that melodic and dense delivery, um, which I'm just not super hip to the regional hip hop styles. So it's tough for me to speak on those, but uh, definitely parts of this that reminded me of Chance, but as someone who's not always the biggest fan of his work, uh, it reminded me of the parts of Chance that I really enjoy. Yeah, I, I get that 100% because, I mean, not to to talk about Chance too much, but I feel like the comparison is, I, I think that stylistically, he's much less consistent. Um, mm-hmm. And when he sounds like, <laughs> when he sounds like No Name is when I enjoy him the most. Um, <laughs> but on Acid Rap and Coloring Book, especially, there were these kind of pop rap uh, moments and stuff that I, that I liked far less. Uh, the song with Justin Bieber on Coloring Book was one that I never really came back to for, I mean, I, I could go down. <laughs> I don't talk about Chance <laughs> Rapper too much, but in any case, uh, yeah, I think that's the difference here. I, I feel like no name to me has always sounded more like self-assured in what she's doing. She always goes into something mm-hmm. with uh, more of a vision and these songs sound like they should be together. Whereas I feel like in a lot of chances work, it just kind of sounds like a much looser um, compilation of tracks. These feel mm-hmm. very intentional. Uh, even, you know, going into room 25, the albums are similar, but I feel like room 25 is much more understated and, um, sort of uh there there's definitely like a sadness to this album but i feel like it comes through much stronger in room 25 i feel like mm-hmm. you could not like just mix the tracks from from those albums together and come out with the same project like mm-hmm. i think that even between albums she has a very consistent view of what she's doing uh within within a specific project absolutely uh and I'm glad that you mentioned understated because that's actually something that I felt with us with this album particularly a lot is that it all seems so understated uh, in a sense that it's super subtle. And I feel like everything about this project is super subtle. Like you can toss it on in the background and you'll notice it's plain just for how, just to say vibey that the mm-hmm. entire thing is. Um, but at the same time, like, it is really worth sitting down and paying attention to everything that is going on, even though, uh, again, to come back to the word subtle, nothing really jumps out uh, when you're listening to this. The beats don't jump out. The lyrics don't jump out. Her flow doesn't jump out, which is fantastic because it makes everything so cohesive. Everything just feels like one um, thing. It's all one giant uh 
just kind of collection of sounds where nothing is out competing anything, nothing's outshining anything. Everything just works together so well throughout the entire album. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those albums that I feel like, uh, or mixtape, <laughs> we, we can refer to it as... Uh, I'm going to mess it up the entire time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. not important. But it is one of those projects where um, everything is done so well and done so interesting, interestingly and so um, uh, thoroughly as well. It, all while I think being beholden to being like listenable first (laughs) you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i think the first thing that goes through is like okay are these tracks that people are going to enjoy listening to um which i feel like with a lot of these especially like hyper conscious or or super lyrical rappers can kind of go by the wayside like um black thought for example is is an artist who i really like um and i think he's one of the best rappers out there but sometimes when i am listening to one of his projects it can feel like I've just been read an entire book by the end of it. Um, whereas this is a very, uh, it is, there's a lot of uh, pop orientation within the project as well. Even mm-hmm. though that's not its focus, I feel like there's like a lot of great hooks here that, um, I, that we should draw focus on uh, mm-hmm. for at least a bit. Because I feel like that's an underappreciated uh, aspect of this album is just how listenable it is. Absolutely, which kind of leads me into the uh, into something else where the that listenability and especially the hooks really showcase the uh, outcast Andre Three Thousand, but also uh, Lauren Hill influences. Yeah, really big Lauren Hill influence. Yeah. Um, um. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Were you? No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I had nothing to say. I was just saying. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, absolutely huge Lauryn Hill influence all over this project. A lot of 90s influence in general, like you mentioned, A Tribe Called Quest. I feel a lot of that on here. Um, definitely Andre 3000. It feels, and it's interesting because it came out in 2016, uh, one of the other big rap projects from that year was, um, wait, to Pimp a Butterfly. Did that come out in 2016 or 2015? 15. Ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> It, it did seem, though, that around that time, 2015, 2016, because in 2016, you did have also um, records like A Tribe Called Quest's final album, uh, Denny Brown's Atrocity Exhibition, mm. albums that were very much interested in uh, hip-hop's past while still kind of being uh, looking into the future. And I think that this album slots mm. very well into that conversation. Um, it, it, it is a very nostalgic sounding album it, there's a lot of classic hip-hop kind of sounds in it um but it does not feel like it gets bogged down in that sound it feels very relevant it feels very now yeah um, which i'll attribute 100 to uh one the production even though it's like not e- i guess it's not even old style i don't even know how to describe it because it really is just that kind of smooth like the same vibe, but the instrumental palettes and everything uh, and the drums feel really updated, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, But just no names rapping and stuff too, feels really modern and now, uh, but also just timeless, just timeless. Yeah, absolutely. It it feels like a very timeless project. There's nothing on here. So like (laughs) we talked about acid rap, right? And Mm -hmm. how it feels wild that that was 2013. I feel like if we went back and listened to that record, 
there are a lot of like 2013 isms throughout <laughs> it. Whereas this one, I, I could, I feel like I could listen to this in 20 years and it would feel like just as fresh. Definitely. Um, it, it is one of those albums that I think works on that level. And it, one of the few albums that I think we've really talked about on this show that works on that level so well. Uh, yeah, it just does absolutely feel timeless. I think that's the perfect word for it. Um, would you say that you got more out of this than Room 25? Um, probably, but that's just because like Room 25 was maybe a once or twice listen. Uh, mm-hmm. And with this, because I'm being forced to talk about it for 20 minutes, uh, I gave a little bit more time to and focused a little bit more on the words and stuff. I think Room 25 was more of just like a toss it on. Yeah, I enjoy this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to talk about the lyrics for a second, I find the lyrical content on this album really interesting mm-hmm. because it is so dark and comparing it to um, what I mentioned before, Trust the Exhibition, which is another very dark album. That album sounds very dark. Mm-hmm. This one is pretty sunny, pretty colorful the whole way through. And I've, I've always enjoyed that balance. Um, when uh, she talked about the inspiration for the artwork for this album, she commissioned the artist to do uh, a piece that would speak on the balance between life and death, mm. um, which I think that the album does, like lyrically through its content, uh, both from a lyrical and musical perspective, I think it brings forth a lot of those ideas throughout. Um, and it's in a very interesting way, one of my favorite lines from this album is on the song Casket Pretty that just ends with the line, too many babies in suits which mm-hmm. is just like a devastating single line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I always, I always really love the way that she tackles like those really serious uh, topics through her music. Right, but the same way, uh, kind of how you mentioned the cover, dealing with both life and death, the range of emotions on this project, it's not just a downtrodden experience from front to back. There's a lot of joy that comes through on this as well. Um, Specifically in a song like Diddy Bop, shout out P. Diddy, uh, where she's talking about growing up in a very nostalgic sense. Um, But then also a song like Bye Bye Baby that's about abortion, but not in the typical way that it's usually portrayed of like a hateful act where it's actually one uh, an act of kind of love uh, in that sense. And it's she's able to cover heavy topics while also covering more, uh, maybe not outright joyous topics, but definitely subjects that uh, come off a lot lighter than the topics of death and race that also are present all over this album. Yeah, and I can... Uh get into that more i wanted to talk briefly about because that reminded me of it as well why the album had the uh, title that it does telephone and it was something that i'd never thought of until doing more research into it but um she is quoted as saying in an interview uh she named it telephone because quote i like the idea of what it means to be on the phone with someone for the very first time and all its little intricate idiosyncrasies from the awkwardness to the laughter or the various intimate conversations you can have over the phone I want my project to be very conversational. I want people to feel like they're on the phone with me, getting to know me better than a text message or a tweet. 
which I feel like, again, that goes to what we talked to about dealing with the layers and layers of emotions. It feels like you're having like multiple conversations with uh, No Name through this record. Like it is one, and that's why I think it's such a great debut as well, is I feel like I, to some degree, understand her better after having listened to it. Like, I feel mm. like I, I can start to understand the kind of person that she is and what she wants to do with her art. Um, which is something that, like I said, I feel like just like not a lot of artists can nail on within a single record. Absolutely. Um, switching gears a little bit, I would like to talk a little bit specifically just about um, No Names Rapping on this. Uh, mm. And to bring it back, you said that she won a slam poetry competition? Yeah, well, she placed. She placed, I think, third okay. in, uh, in the slam poetry competition. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, honestly, uh, given her delivery and mm. uh, how dense a lot of the rapping is, which I really appreciate. This is truly like some of the, like the style of rapping that I love the most, where it's super smooth, uh, very rhythmic and putting a lot of emphasis in different places, but also like tons of internal rhyme, double entendres, wordplay, uh, and definitely worth like sitting down and spending time dissecting which is something that I wasn't able to do enough just given the format of this uh, mm. show and the time that we had. But like, whenever I listened to this the first time, I was able to appreciate the way she rapped and the sound of her rapping. And then when I would go back to it, I'd look at the lyrics. And every time I'd look at the lyrics, like something else would pop out. I'd understand something else. Um, or there'd just be like a new meaning that would come out of her verses. So it's really just like, I feel like she really spent a lot of time just like crafting uh, the topics and the way that she tackled them on this mixtape. Yeah, I mean, when I introduced the album, I called her a Chicago-based MC, but really I think I would call her a writer before anything else. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, the way, like I, I said before, it's just, so unique it's such she has such a unique voice in the hip-hop landscape i think she no one else i feel like writes like no name does um mm -hmm. in her songs and i think that comes uh through her background of poetry and everything and as well i think that her style of rapping comes from that um one thing she does a lot on this tape that i really enjoy is the way that she plays with rhythm mm -hmm. um these are very or, or fairly dense songs but they don't feel monotonous because she switches up her flow a lot and uh you know plays with the production of the song and everything and i think that as well probably comes from her background in slam poetry specifically which is all about uh twisting things and emphasizing specific things uh as you are going about reading it so i think that that uh, i think a lot of her groundwork can be traced back to her her early years uh, as a poet for sure yeah and then just like the way that she raps too even when she's covering uh heavy topics like it's still fun just listening right. to her rap like it's kind of wild uh if you're not paying attention to what she's saying like it's just enjoyable to listen to until you just have that one line that 
punches you in the stomach. Right. Absolutely. And then that, that's the thing that makes you go back and like, Oh, I need to like read this. Like I need, yeah. I need to see what's happening here because that's the thing it is. It's a deceptively easy listening album. <laughs> like it's, it's really easy to digest. Uh, you know, it's, it's like candy sweet at some points. Um, and it is an album that, you know, not that there are, aren't a lot of like really comforting moments on it. Like I think, uh, the opening track yesterday, I think it's an absolutely beautiful song with a, with a lovely little sentiment by the end. Um, you know, picturing uh, your smile like it was yesterday when, when the dark is coming out and everything. When uh, bad times are here, just remembering the, the better ones, more or less. And it's a really sweet note to start things out on. And I think there's a lot of, like, a lot of sweetness and a lot of love throughout the record. Like, I think that's the unifying thing mm-hmm. between the, the heavier topics and the lighter ones is they're all written about with like love. There's, there's very uh, yeah. few consistent emotions here, but I think that that is one of the more consistent ones. Mm-hmm. Which again, absolutely ties it back into uh, that Lauren Hill influence where yeah. I feel like she does the exact same thing on miseducation where she talks about so many different topics, but the one that really prevails and comes back time and time again is love. Um, but using your comments to kind of get into a few closing thoughts here, uh, this album is perfect for literally every single situation. Like I can't think of a situation where this album doesn't work. And I think that's because of the fact that she uh, can tackle such heavy topics while still making it sound fun and super enjoyable to listen to. Like it's perfect uh, for driving. I was listening to it while making lunch. It worked perfectly. I was walking around the house listening to it. It was perfect. Uh, You could snooze to this album. You could literally stand in the middle of your room and just spin in circles while listening to this. And it works perfectly. Like there's not a single situation where it doesn't work. Uh, which is amazing and honestly incredible because that's not something that a lot of albums can do where you can put it on just as like background music to vibe to, or you can sit down and focus on it. Uh, Yeah. I feel like very few, like I'm, I think maybe going back to like classic artists, like I think Lauren Hill, Tribe Called Quest or like some of the few people to, Mm. to otherwise nail that sound. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my closing thoughts, like I said, I think this is one of the great debuts of the 2010s, if not 2000s, if not, like, ever, <laughs> period. Like, I don't know, there's so much, I, ha- I have very few negative things to say about it as, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've said literally nothing negative about it basically the whole time. Um, it just works so well, and it, it's astounding to me that, because it is a debut, but you can tell that she's been cutting her teeth uh, in that mm-hmm. hip hop scene for for years prior, because she sounds so confident and self assured and everything, it 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 reads like nothing else. And it's so short too; it's only what 10, 30, 10 like ten tracks, like thirty three minutes tracks, or something. Yeah. yeah, it's I don't know. It's so uh, it's it's a perfect little mixtape, <laughs> like you said. I think I think it works just about any time you want to go back to yeah. it. It's a very comforting album to me. Mm-hmm. And so I absolutely, I just truly loved this album. It was great. I'm gonna come back to it more uh, because the one thing, like the one thing I regret with this, and I hope it doesn't come across too much, but I really just wish that I had more time with this album. Uh, which is my own fault. I should have looked into it sooner this week, but (laughs) um, 
Like, I really just wish I had more time with this uh, because there's so much going on. There's so much to get into with this. And I feel like it's just endlessly or going to be endlessly rewarding to come back and you'll just, or I would know that I'll just find something else like every time that I come back to this. And I'm really excited just for that next listen to kind of see what else I'm able to pick up on. But yeah, I just truly love this. Uh, I recommend this album to anyone who likes music Uh, (laughs) or if you're just, if you're looking for a vibe, if you're looking to just have something that you can toss on at any point in time, uh, this is going to be a fantastic one to dip into. Yeah. And with, uh, with that, do you want to get into the track that you picked from this? Yeah, we are going to listen. Well, honestly, like this is another album. I feel like I could hit shuffle and whatever comes on is going to be fine for playing right now. Uh, But the track that I'm picking specifically is going to be the eighth track. Uh, So here is Forever by No Name on U92FM. We'll be right back with more of Say Something Nice. Nina Simone, Jimmy Jones, Missy Elliott, music leader, my relatives never forget my Andre, Poppy, Mikasa, Sukasa, baby, I made an entree, maybe I make your mom's play, maybe we not gon' sleep tonight, in the night you and I laugh about how you Gemini, already fried the chicken, but leftovers was my inner thought, nah, I'm lying, I'm just playing, you can read this book with me, I'm trying to reimagine abracadabra for poverty, like poof, I made it disappear, poof, I'm made of happiness, everything is everything, but I still haven't paid my rent, ugly is ugly, so Molly made Makes me joyful now when I get down, I'm already up Molly the water, I keep the drink in the cup My druggie is druggie, we just some kids out of luck Ooh, they ain't tryna see me shine, my shine The bullet on my time, my time Fuck it, I'll live forever now They ain't tryna see me shine, shine Bullet on my time, time Yeah, I'll live forever They ain't tryna see us shine, shine Bullet on our time, time But fuck it, we'll live forever Seven bags of Skittles on Sunnyside Boulevard. Me sending God is rainbow, pretty mystery, and fully charged. Nobody understands my songs. I love ever sentences to heal the scar. The rental car, the Malibu, the Shangri-La. Ooh, my cigarette burning. My mama be calling. She worry about me. A girl alcoholic. And I could take a trip to L.A. And I could lose myself inside myself. I hope the Lord forgive me now. Why I still be drifting the custom to wear and hand me down? Oh, I'm a Cinderella, a cinder block for my family now. I can't build no mansion on top of these shaggy bones. I left my home, I'm on the road. Forgive me, there she go again. Her dark consumerism assimilated in him. Cast a new gospel, occupational sin. Just walked out the church house with happy all in my pocket, a little something to spend. They ain't tryna see me shine, shine. Bullet on my time, time. I'll live forever. They ain't tryna see us shine, shine. Bullet on our time, time. But fuck it, we'll live forever. Forever in a day. Following the rain, you know that we live forever. How long will it take to marry the sunset? Your feet ain't yours yet forever. We gon' live forever like Aaliyah. Look how they did Rakia. Honestly, I'm just happy I could be here. Hoping I don't offend all my peers. When I say that ass is a mouthful like Coogee Chocolia. Following bright ideas, cause I'm a victim to colorism. They flood the prison, no difference hanging from trees. When anger lead the system, I notice we still ain't free. 
In this club trying to ban me Cause my white tee I mean like high key I was chosen to fight In a pair of mics Over polite Holding a knife They hold my life in low regards Hoping I'm hopeless But I've been in love so long Like Janet Jackson poems I know I'm terrible But I'm focused like a variable Admitting pheromones So I don't gotta bear it alone Nina Simone biopic Make me swear in my home Gotta call someone So I could tell them on my telephone They ain't trying to see me shine, shine Bullet on my time, time Fuck it, I'll live forever They ain't trying to see us shine, shine Bullet on our time, time Fuck it, we'll live forever Forever and a day Following the fame You know that we live forever How long will it take To marry the sunsets Your feet ain't put together ever Welcome back to Say Something Nice uh, I am Anthony I'm here with Griffin, we just finished talking about No Name's debut mixtape, Telephone, uh, and now we are switching gears over to the punk, or the post-punk, I suppose, uh, classic Cut by the Slits, uh, released in 1979 uh, on Island Records uh, by the all-female punk group, The Slits. absolutely classic super unique album in my opinion they uh only released this one and then kind of like joined forces with uh, the band uh, oh excuse me a second sorry um they kind of joined forces with the pop group after releasing this but they didn't really do anything else uh after this album uh, until their 2006 uh, EP, Revenge of the Killer Slits. Um, they came up along all of the classic British punks, uh, The Clash and uh, Sex Pistols, and they have a lot of kind of connections within those two groups between uh, one of the members of the Slits dating Joe Strummer and having a band with Sid Vicious before joining the Slits. Uh, But on this album specifically, I think instead of just kind of going off of what was happening in punk at the time with a lot of dub influenced punk, they really ended up mixing the two genres in a way that I don't think anyone else really accomplished all while being super radical. They're one of the first all-female punk groups, if not the first. So, of course, they ended up inspiring the entire Riot Girl movement, um, along with tons of other female punk groups, like uh, the Raincoats specifically, um, and kind of just uh, really paved the way for the feminist punk movement. Uh, so shout out the slits. This is an absolutely fantastic album. I love it. Uh, and to avoid talking about it more, I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to you, Griffin. What did you think of this? Yeah, I really, I really did enjoy it. This is maybe, uh, the favorite thing that you've recommended me as well this week. It's been a good week, huh? It's a very good (laughs) week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know this. I was surprised that I hadn't heard it before because it's so like up my alley. Uh, (laughs) Specifically with with the post-punk influence, there's a lot of sort of what the Talking Heads would go on to do. Um, I think Talking Heads had 
put out their debut album before this one came out, but uh, the kind of working with uh, world music elements and, and dub and everything, I don't think they did as much on their first couple of releases. So uh, the slits definitely beat them out on that. But um, aside from that, yeah, there's a lot of moments on here that remind me of the kind of uh, jittery, uh, minimal sort of uh, early post-punk that I, you might hear on like a, a Jonathan Richmond uh, album, kind of uh, the, uh, what was that band that he was in? Modern Lovers mm-hmm. um, Project, something like that, uh, which is, you know, an artist who I really, really adore. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I just, <laughs> I just liked it quite a bit. I was surprised to learn, uh, I guess, getting into slightly the, the history of it, that uh, this band was from London because mm-hmm. the vocals and a lot of the things about it seem very sort of Eastern European to my ears. Um, I don't know if they were uh, sort of had mixed European company within the band, uh, but just based on what was kind of going on in like the, the German scenes or anything like around that time, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like I get some of that influence uh, on here, but uh, definitely in some of the tracks on here, like, uh, uh, shoplifting, I feel like I get a lot of the uh, London uh, punk influences, definitely like a little bit of uh, Sex Pistols sort of energy on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I just really did enjoy this album. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, going off of that, I'm personally more a fan of American punk. I feel like there's a lot more energy than the English scene. Uh but it's always interesting to me to know that they're from England because I find them so much more exciting than both The Clash, sorry, Alex, uh, <laughs> and also uh, The Sex Pistols. Uh, I find this list to be just such a more enjoyable uh, and energetic experience. But also, uh, they kind of, not that all punk was angry at the time, but this is just a really fun listen for me. Yeah, there is still some anger in here for sure. Uh, and, you know, anger and attitude, I'd say, in, in even measure. Um, and the, the topics are largely what was going on in punk to my ears. Um, but yeah, just the, it does feel like they're having a lot more fun with it than like a band like the Sex Pistols were. The Sex Pistols always seem to be like just a little. It like intolerable <laughs> like, they were just, like in any time I've ever heard an interview with any of the Sex Pistols I've just been like this is not a person I'd want to have a conversation they, with. They're just always cranky. Yeah they're just always cranky fellas. <laughs> like that's it that's the best way to describe them is just not even like mad or angry they're just cranky. Yeah exactly but no this I feel like there's some uh, some righteous anger here for sure but it is like a lot more uh, sort of tongue in cheek in a way that reminded me of um, and, and you brought up the Riot Girl movement, which I will get into more because, like you said, if they, they were certainly one of the earliest prominent female, all-female punk bands, so they were going to have an influence on that sound. Um, but largely, I'm surprised with how different they sound than a lot of the, the Riot Girl movement that came mm-hmm. up you know, years later. This is much more in tow to me with the uh, post-punk and art-punk movements, uh, you know, the kind of CBGB scene that was happening yeah. in the States and and all of that that would later, you know, go on to become New Wave, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's interesting how disparate they became while still being that influential on the Riot Girl sound. But uh, I bring that all that up because there were 
a lot of moments on here that reminded me of like uh, early Sleater Kenny records. Mm-hmm. Um, in so much as I feel like the vocals reminded me of that. There's a lot of layered vocals on this album uh, and kind of singing over uh, one another, which is definitely a big early Sleater Kenny thing. And also the way that they approach topics uh, is very, at times, uh, like sort of tongue in cheek, which is uh, the same way that I feel like Slater Kenny did on a lot of their early records. Mm-hmm. Um, eh, that's kind of a punk thing in general, I think, you know, is doing it with a, a wink and a nod or whatever. But um, I think they, they embody that very fully here. Uh, while still talking about uh, semi-serious things throughout a lot of the track list, I didn't uh, read up on a lot of the lyrics, but there were allusions to like, you know, sexual assault and stuff uh, within mm-hmm. them um, at different points. Uh, specifically focusing on on a lot of different women's issues at different points as well um so they are they are you know that's where i think the the righteous anger comes in uh for this record but um i also speaking on the vocals did enjoy the varied vocals that are delivered throughout this album i i I am not familiar with the lead singer's name or anything but she does (laughs) what, what is that uh, it's Ari Up, and she actually passed, I think, 2010, just about. Oh, but that's awesome. Ari, yeah. Ari yeah. was really, uh, I think it was Ari and Viv who wrote a lot of the songs. Viv is the uh, guitar player. So. Yeah, well, specifically, I mean, Ari's voice on this thing is absolutely incredible. Like, I think she does some super wild stuff uh, throughout. She really, like, lets loose in a way that I feel like a lot of singers either are unwilling or just unable to do mm-hmm. um and that's why i think it's so great about the punk genre especially like around this point in time is that there were a lot of people just like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck and i think that it just so happens that a lot of what was on this album stuck with me mm-hmm. yeah which is always incredible considering this is pretty much their only piece of work especially their only notable piece of work uh throughout their entire career um that so much of what they did on just this is their debut uh how much of it was just fantastic (laughs) and they did such a good job of it which uh not to take credit away from the band but the production here is definitely uh, a contributor to that because to me, everything is super cleanly recorded, but then there's so much going on uh, just in the classic dub sense, which is what I think really sets this apart from the other like dub-inspired punk that was going on at the time, whether it was uh, like the pop group or Paraubu or something. Like the slits, they really uh, put together the parts of like the dub uh like the echoes that get put in the delays and the reverb that gets put in just like to accent different parts of the drums uh and then also just to kind of go back to it uh tessa is the bass player here she absolutely murders her parts they're so fun this tone of the basses mouth-watering uh, as a bass player, I just absolutely love <laughs> listening to this album because it uh, it cuts so deep, it's so smooth, uh, and it's just such a classic bass tone that really just hits. Yeah, no, the bass on here is absolutely incredible, and I think that adds to a lot of the uh, grooves that go on here as well because it's a very 
it, it's an interesting album uh, in the post-punk genre at large because I feel like it came in a, a spot when, uh, you know, it was, post-punk was, I think, just beginning to get its footing around in, in 79 or thereabouts. Um, and I think this record was not yet too obsessed with the grooves and as well was not too obsessed with like, uh, you know, just being like strange and experimental for no reason. It's in this interesting kind of in-between spot, which I think works really well because there are moments where there's just like a lovely groove going for like the entire song. Uh, and there's moments with uh, screaming in what all, which is also lovely. <laughs> mm. um, when, when you first suggested this album to me and let this be a lesson to never judge an album by its cover. Cause I saw the cover and I was like, Oh, this is going to be one of those like extremely kind of like lo-fi minimal primal type records. Um, but like you said, it is the, the recording on here, I think is excellent. Like it's, it's very, uh, it's a well-produced punk record, which is not usual for the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, the production is maybe a little dry for my liking, but I feel like that was very standard at the time. Mm-hmm. It's while I was listening to it, I did wish, and I, I still hope, uh, I guess, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility at all that there will be a remaster at some point. Cause I think that this album could really come alive with like a, a good remaster. Mm. Um, I don't know your feelings on that or remasters in general. <laughs> Cause I know <laughs> it can be kind of a hot, uh, a point of contention. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy this album and I think, and the production of this album too, which I definitely understand the too dry aspect, which I mean, is something that you're going to get from the post-punk genre from like 77 to 83. Yeah. Uh, It's just going to be pretty much, here's the musicians. But I think that dryness uh, ends up bringing out the moments that are super dub inspired, whether like when uh, the producer here, Dennis Bovel, who was a, reggae and dub artists who produce this uh when he does the kind of like really heavy like reverb slapback delays at the end of something uh which was just a huge staple in dub i'm not sure if you've listened to anything from that kind of like i have a a bare familiarity with with yeah (laughs) yeah i think that the super dry production kind of brings out those moments just a little bit more uh, but also lets you kind of like focus on what is going on instead of being maybe taken away from other stuff because like you said the vocals at times can be super uh not dense but layered and Mm. so uh the fact that there's not too much else going on in the mix i think helps bring that out uh and just lets you hear everything that's going on Right, for sure. It it is. That's why I think it would like. I wouldn't want it like to be a slapdash remaster. You know, I wanted. I want it to be by someone who has a, a great deal of of respect and adoration for for the scene mm-hmm. and the 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 style of which this album was produced. Um, because I think there have been a, a fair amount of of good uh, post punk remasters, especially like I mean, I think the entire Talking Heads discography got remastered in sometime in the two thousands, and I really like all of those. I wouldn't mind seeing something of that style happen with, with this record. Um, and I think it could bring a lot of new relevance to this record that is, in my opinion, desperately needed, just because mm-hmm. I think it's a crime that I've not listened to this <laughs> record until now. Um, just, just, it's so 
wild how in tune with it I was from the jump. And I, and I had not even heard of it before this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I am surprised. And it is, it's not an unknown record. It is a fairly influential one within the post-punk scene. And um, there was the, the combination of, of punk and dub that was happening around that time, even amongst the most popular acts. Like, you know, Sandista by The Clash would come out the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that this had a, a pretty major influence on, on stuff like that as well. Um, but this one does it so much more thoroughly than something like that does, I think, and so much more faithfully mm-hmm. that make it such a unique listen throughout. Um, you know, there, there are, like, I've, I've made a lot of allusions to the Talking Heads or different acts in the, in the post-punk genre that I could uh, call to, but um, it is very much its own thing at the same time. Yeah, and that's something that I love so much about this record is that it's so unique in its sound uh even though like you said there's so much uh especially at this time this like 78 79 1980 there's so much uh dub influenced punk coming out uh i know before i mentioned like para ubu and the pop group and you just mentioned the clashes later work uh there's so much dub influenced punk but where this uh sets itself apart is really just in the mixing of the genres and i feel like it's less punk that's influenced by dub and more just like punk that is also dub at the same time which makes it just a super unique listen yeah it's interesting it's (laughs) i don't know how much uh or how many more thorough combinations there are in the genre of punk and dub where it is just it becomes one thing but it it kind of reminds me of like an alternate universe where dub was the genre to uh collide with punk instead of ska Uh, (laughs) which maybe it's a better world i mean (laughs) oh that's a dream for me (laughs) sorry not to not to hate on it personally i love ska punk for any ska punk fans that are listening um but uh yeah, it, it is weird. It it feels like an album that could have really only come up around the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. We called the album earlier Timeless. And this one, it's it's still very good by today's standards. <laughs> but it, it's very much of its time just in the amalgamation of influences mm-hmm. and, and styles and, and sound uh, production and everything. Uh, it's an album that would have only made sense to have come out around that. If an album like this was released today, it would get like three listens on Bandcamp. You know what I mean? It uh-huh. would not. It wouldn't have like no kind of lasting legacy. Um, but I'm I'm glad that this one came out at the time that it did because it is it is very good. You know. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh... And for sure, I definitely agree with that. It's really of its time. Uh, But I mean, in the same way that like, again, to bring it back, like those early Talking Heads records were of their time. Right, for sure. And and that's Um, another reason why I say that like, I feel like this could use a a solid remaster mm -hmm. to to bring it sort of to more modern standards. Like I said, and I get saying things like that among certain (laughs) classes of music snobs will get me like murdered, right? Mm -hmm. But it was uh, throughout the listen, the, literally the only complaint that I have, and, and maybe it would be better because I, I listened on my iPhone, you know, on, on Apple Music, <laughs> but uh, I think this is one of the albums where if I had it on vinyl and could play it 
you know, via a decent record player, I think it would actually sound a lot better uh, mm-hmm. to my ears. Um, but barring that, I think uh, it could be in, in for use of a, of a remaster to mm-hmm. to that same end. Because I, I and I say I specify because I feel like the same music snobs that would murder me for saying <laughs> that would agree that like an album like this should be listened to uh, if available via you know vinyl record. Yeah. Um, and I mean it, going. Sorry, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, go ahead. All right. Um, going off that, as someone who definitely appreciates different uh, formats and uh, music listening avenues, I suppose, through like speakers, headphones, and earbuds, um, I think to bring it back to the production, that's something that uh, this kind of production where it's super dry definitely benefits from something like listening to it on speakers because you get that sense of space. Uh, that really opens the album up and kind of gives it a new sound, honestly, just having that space as opposed to having it shoved into your ear through earbuds, which kind of can take away from it a little bit. Yeah. I feel like I feel that absolutely. Um, which maybe I'll give this record cause I, I am definitely revisiting this record. There's no question about <laughs> it. Uh, I think next listen, I might try through the speakers cause uh, for some reason, I mean, my go-to method is always headphones mm-hmm. uh, generally, but yeah, like you said, some albums, it just works better over speakers. Like that's as simple as, as it is. Um, I would have loved to hear also like live versions of these songs because mm-hmm. I feel like this band could really come to life in a live setting. Uh, yeah. It's a shame that that it's uh, past past its time mm-hmm. now and i mean there are uh you can get a hold of like peel like john peel sessions from this mm-hmm. album so but if you want to go ahead and get into some closing thoughts that would be fantastic yeah i mean just to close like i said i really thoroughly enjoyed this album i think if you are at all interested in the post-punk genre this is a touchstone that you don't want to miss um i was surprised by how much it influenced later uh, and how much influence it probably had amongst uh, bands that were the contemporaries of this group um, that I had just somehow missed entirely. You know, I'd heard of the slits before, but I'd never been told like, Oh, you have to listen to this album. You know, like I feel like it's one of those albums that's been kind of unfortunately left out of the punk canon and i think that's a, a great tragedy because <laughs> i think this is a absolutely fantastic record that i i recommend thoroughly absolutely and if you're listening to this uh just to emphasize you have to listen to this album but griffin <laughs> uh go ahead if you want to or i suppose should we do a recommendations and then uh, yeah, uh, well, I can, I, can, I can shout out the, the okay. track that I'm picking. Yeah, I'm going go to it. pick uh, a Typical Girl, which is, I think, one of the most uh, emblematic tracks of the album uh, and of what it inspired, you know, both at the time and uh, much later. Um, it's a track that lyrically as well reminded me of uh, something that, like, current sort of artists that work in the, the uh, feminist sphere, like... Uh, a Stella Donnelly or a Courtney Barnett, like songwriters like that. Uh, it kind of reminded me of, of that style of songwriting, which I really did uh, enjoy as well. So yeah, uh, and you said this was actually, uh, I just want to bring that up because it was a, a fun mm-hmm. fact to me. One of Kurt Cobain's favorite recordings. Yeah, I think he listed it in like his top 50 favorite recordings of all time. Nice. So. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. It's a lovely little song. Uh, but we'll get oh. to that right after we get to our recommendations for next week. Anthony, what have you got? Uh, so I am giving you the 
modern classic from Korean band Midair Thief. Uh, this is their second album, Crumbling, which is an absolutely just magical piece of music. I don't really know how else to describe it. I don't really want to get into genres because I'm really bad at classifying this album. Uh, but it is really just a magical experience, and I think you're going to like it. What do you have yeah. for me? Uh, for you, I have the hi-fi debut of the Mountain Goats, uh, Tallahassee. Not the actual debut album. I think this is actually technically like their eleven, <laughs> but it's the first one that was fully recorded within a studio uh, for Four AD Records. You know, major indie label. Uh, definitely, a, definitely a decent starting point for that band. I think. Uh, but we'll get into those next week. For right now, you are going to hear "Typical Girls" by the Slits right here on U92 The News. Thanks for listening, as always.